Hi, I'm Ray, and you're listening to Insert Quest here. My pronouns today are they, them, and with me is Blake, a designer from the US. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on the show, Blake. Would you mind introducing yourself further for our listeners? Uh, thank you for inviting me. Um, I'm uh, Blake Stone. I'm a 29-year-old uh, queer person living in Seattle, and most of what I do these days is uh, write uh, tabletop role-playing games. Um, I'm also into uh, involved in things like witch- witchcraft and tarot. Nice. Uh, so I know you from your uh, from the fact that a lot of the uh, independent uh, RPG designers and stuff are active on Twitter, um, and so we have sort of interacted on there a little bit. Uh, but there's a bunch of questions about you that I don't know the answer to so i'm excited to find out more about you uh, and more about you as a designer um generally on on our show we try to start with a question about um why you first started making games um well it it seems like it's something that i sort of fell into by accident i um sort of uh i started writing them and didn't necessarily know that there was a, any sort of a, a market or a scene for that kind of thing. And, you know, it's just kind of that, uh, that thing that, that writers or, or whatever talk about where it just sort of comes out. And, um, yeah, I was uh, delighted to find that there is actually, there are actually people out there who are perceptive to all the, all the weird stuff. Yeah, and how long have you been making games for now? I published my first one probably only about six months ago. Yeah, nice. I know that I only published my first game, when was it? Last year? Last year? Last year. Um, And that was like towards the end. It was about now last year, so about 12 months ago. Um, But I had been making games for like at least five years before that. I just hadn't ever gotten anything finished um, and had like done little bits of homebrew content for other games and things like that what were some of your early for- forays i think is the word <laughs> into uh into rpg design um maybe not even calling it that necessarily when you started but like when was when was your yeah what were some of your early game created things it's it's funny because uh, on the one hand i didn't really start doing any of this until uh really until i started listening to friends at the table and hearing about all the indie games that were out there and you know thinking that sounded interesting but on the other hand also i've had the same idea for a campaign style game since i was like 12 so eventually i'll probably make that and when when you say campaign style game do you mean like um an rpg that follows a traditional like campaign format or yeah yeah something like that cool um so that'd be like something very, very vaguely, loosely, that would be something like D anD D or uh, or like that follows that sort of thing. It's geared towards yeah, yeah. we play multiple sessions of this. It's like scratches the itch that D anD D does without being D anD D. Yeah, fair, cool. Yeah, um, yeah, nice. Uh, what were what was the impetus for your first game? Like, what? Why did you? What was it? And why did you want to make it? Oh, I have to actually think about what was the... Oh, okay, I know what it was. Uh, there were two game jams going on at the same time. That uh, One was, I believe, the Folklore Jam, and the other one was the This Is Not a Game game jam. 
That was so just thought, after the emotional mecha game jam, I think. Right. Like yeah, March, I just just barely missed February. that one, but I saw it came out of it. Yeah. Um, and so I made a, a pair of games uh, <laughs> with incredibly long titles that I have trouble remembering. Uh, I love no long-titled pl- things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of them is called There Is No Such Place As An Empty Field, and the other one is called uh, All We Know Are The Things We Have Learned. And they're both about, like, they're like anti-world-building games oh. to, to, like, sort of make people wrestle with the fact that when you do world building in a fantasy setting, you are taking your own cultural assumptions with you. That's just sort of the weird entry point that I made into this design scene. Oh man, I have so many thoughts immediately. (laughs) Uh, It's like the title of there's no such thing as an empty field really speaks to me because I really enjoy and find captivating places that people consider barren or deserts or empty um, because they're not. Uh, like I remember when I, um, visited my mother who was living in Port Augusta, which is down in, um, Southern Australia, which incidentally is the driest part of Australia, (laughs) even though it's the Southern state, it's not even the Southern most state. Um, uh, but it's where like the majority of the central desert is. And my mother lived in this place where the desert went all the way to the sea. Uh, and she used to talk about how she hated it there because it was so dry and there was nothing there. Like the gardens was like, it was so empty. And I'm like, how, what? Like it's scrubland <laughs> desert to the sea. There's stuff everywhere. Like I was like, how do you, how do you not see all these beautiful bushes and things? And she's like, oh, it's just weeds. What? <laughs> In no way is it a weed. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I, like oh, I'm just immediately captivated by the title of that game. Um, that's awesome because that's totally where I'm coming from with that. So I'm really glad it goes, it gets across. Yeah, wow, well, that's so cool. And um, yeah, and so they're all about those games are both about how you bring your assumptions about your culture with you. More or less, yeah, or at least I, I tried to address that. Yeah. Like, of course, it's the uh, you know those are the first uh, published works in that medium so i don't know how well i accomplished that but some people had some things to say about it yeah cool what was probably how did you feel when you were done working on that um like on those projects how did you did you feel what kind of emotions went through you um like i like i feel a lot of times when i make things like it wasn't entirely me uh, and that's a whole other conversation, you know. Do uh, you mean like... Work if, from the outside, channeling, or uh, automatic writing, or whatever you want to call it. Right. I, I was going to question, do you, mean, do you mean like it felt like you weren't writing it, or are you talking about the fact that no person does their work alone? Both, yeah. <laughs> Both. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Right. Cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> nice. Excellent. Yeah, cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm just thinking about how, like, you bring your cultural assumptions with you and everything, and I'm like, the first thing that comes to mind for me is police. Um, yeah, that's a big one. Everyone's like the city guard in this fantasy kingdom, and I'm like, city guard is not cops. <laughs> <laughs> Those two things are not even remotely alike. <laughs> um, what kind of? What kind of cultural assumptions were you kind of addressing directly, do you feel? 
I, I feel like it, this was around the time that I was just getting like pretty deep into D and D and and homebrewing it and creating like new content for it for my table game. And I definitely was just frustrated with a lot of the way that that culture itself and the idea of culture and the process of creating fantasy culture was just absolutely steeped in this unquestioned colonialism. Yeah, and I just sort of wanted to kind of yell at that a little bit. No, I think that that is a uh, 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 definitely a cool. Um and poignant narrative to chase uh, and like thread and theme. Um, I guess my next question is how do you feel your body of work has expanded and grown since those two projects? And how would you describe your body of work now? I would say more than anything else, it's eclectic. I, I seem to be what will happen is I'll, I'll get swept up with an idea. It'll be like sometimes just a title or like a, here's a font and color pairing and I want to do something with it. And then it, what it is grows out of that. And it seems like every time I've tried to practice a new thing. So it's very much like a lot of, it's, it's, it's like a, a, like a, like a scraps basket, you know, for sewing or something. I feel like. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's, a, that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's particularly polished, I don't believe, but I'm, I'm definitely, uh, I feel like I'm, I'm moving quickly through, maybe too quickly through a series of lessons. I have noticed that a lot of um, game designers that started around the same time that I, well, published their first works around the same time that I did, have produced way more content than I have. And it's not a thing of where I like feel bad that I haven't made content. It's where I'm like, I think I, aren't you, aren't you're worried that you're, <laughs> that you're going to become exhausted. I, we're definitely exhausted. <laughs> I don't know where you'll find the time to make so many games. Although it's I guess really just... I feel like it's just practicing in public is what a lot of us are doing. And I have so many ideas for games. And like a big thing for me is learning to wait and let an idea sit. And so, because I, I, re, I, re, I iterate too much. Like I will change too many things at once about a, about a thing. So it's about like forcing myself to like let things sit. And so a lot of the time I just whenever I have an idea, I open up a Google doc, jot down the initial ideas. And then I'm like, I'm not looking at that for six months. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I definitely have those. Not even going to touch it. <laughs> um, yeah. Wow. Well, uh, yeah. What kind of, what kind of things do you have to force yourself to do when you're making games? Like how do you similar? Well, not similar, but like, uh, is there anything like that for you where, I have to force myself to wait. Is there something that you feel you have to force yourself to do uh, in order to make sure that your games are good, uh, are up to your own standard? Yeah, definitely. I've, I've been noticing that uh, up for the, the whole time I've been doing this so far, I've been kind of leaning on either very simple mechanics or mechanics that have been tested in, in games that other people have made, you know, hacks of, of, of PBTA games and whatnot. And, Part of that is because math is really hard for me. So studying that is like, it doesn't come as easily as, you know, say world building or what I want this document to look like or 
you know, how, how the, how the dice should feel in the player's hand or something like that. The actual numbers part of it is super difficult. Yeah. That's totally interesting. I know that my solution to that was less numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely like, moved in that direction as well. It's super easy for me to like conceptualize game mechanics and like how I want them to shape the narrative, but it's harder for me to think about like, Oh, what should this game look like when it's printed or, uh, what, um, you know, how are, th- how are all of these bonuses that I'm throwing out going to interact? And it's like, I don't know, but I guess we'll like, if they don't, if it's too much, we'll just chuck some of them out later. <laughs> that is what playtesting is for. Yeah. Playtesting. What's that like? <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm, I'm still figuring that one out. I haven't playtested. I've playtested like a couple of my games, but all of the ones that are published have never been playtested. I got a board game coming out like next week and I've not played it before. <laughs> There's a, there's a real, like, if you're, you know, if you're, if you have a day job and all of this other stuff going on and maybe not have a, a group in person that meets to play games all the time, it can be pretty difficult. Yeah, indeed. I mean, that's worth talking about, um, yeah. how the fact that, uh, there's such a difference in, um, play between online gaming and gaming in person that even though on gaming, playing RPGs online with people, opens you up to play so many more games it's still uh sometimes can be just as hard to get a game going as having a physical game yeah i've definitely had that experience yeah um cool i guess then i might jump to a different uh question sort slightly out of order from the prepared list that i sent you um what communities do you participate in and how have they helped you create i feel like that's a nice segue (laughs) yeah that's it for me that's like that's the whole thing is it's it's just as much um a social ritual all of all of this creative work we're doing is is just as much a, a way of having you know having authentic connections with other people as it is creating the things that we want to see in the world and that's really important to me like all of these people that i've met less than a year ago are you know my closest friends now and whatever you want to call us uh, a lot of people have been throwing around of the term like the uh, the itch jam crowd or or itch designers or and then there's the uh, the whole sword dream thing that i consider myself a part of that uh but what we are trying for, it seems like, is is to have that genuine um, human interaction above and beyond what social media really installs as default. Yeah, no, for sure. I wonder, you've, you just said um, the itch jam game thing, and I'd like, I hadn't even realized that that was a term that people were thinking about using. And then I immediately <laughs> was thinking, I wonder what derogatory names people have consumed. <laughs> Oh, I've definitely heard people use itch designers in a derogatory way. That's that's already happened. Oh, you get to decide how much money you get paid for. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what they're jealous of. You don't have to give drive through RPG a ridiculous cut of your profits? Oh, damn. What a bunch of noobs. <laughs> don't even know how to get rorted by a tiny corporation. Um... Uh, yeah, what kind, what a, can, do you mind talking about some of the communities that have helped you specifically? Like, where do you go to when you need to bounce an idea? Uh, I know that that's an important thing for me, like talking through a project with someone else, even if they have no, nothing to share. It's just like, I need to talk about this thing. 
Yeah, I need an external filter for this project. There, there are absolutely people in the community that I regularly go to, you know, who I've had a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, depth of conversation with that, uh, yeah, generally, whenever I do have an, a new idea, the first thing I do is go to uh, bounce it off of somebody else. And, and one of the things that's been useful for that is uh, starting a Discord server, even though that got, like, wildly out of my control. I feel like yeah. it's huge now. But uh, it's nice to have have a place where you can just essentially inject an idea and whoever's online will tell you you know, what they, what they value about it, what they think could be changed and just generally express enthusiasm. It's really nice to have. Well, I guess as somebody that felt the pull to create a community um, to feel uh, welcome in, my question is what makes you want to be part of a community? I know that for me, a lot of the RPG discord uh, communities that have sprung up over the last few years. Normally I join them and then don't end up interacting a whole bunch. And that's <laughs> normally because they're super large um, or otherwise feel um, like they're not intended for me. Uh, so what makes you, what, what makes you feel welcome in a community and makes you more importantly, want to be an active participant in it? That's, uh, yeah, that, that's definitely why I ended up creating my own. Um, I noticed that in, in a lot of places that, uh, that I could go and, and exist, I would have to be at a compromise to things that, you know, that I personally, discussions I don't really want to be a part of, being had in a way that I don't think is particularly compassionate. And, you know, fearing that, I don't join a lot of servers. So I decided to make my own. And it seems like we're doing okay at that, but it's it's definitely like it, there's there's a lot of work involved in trying to find an actual like uh, compassionate space with people who share values of of what that means. Yeah, no, definitely for sure. I I totally understand that. Um, yeah, um, I think um, I have another question uh, that I wanted to ask, and that is. Uh, I wanted to talk to you a little bit more before we move on to some other uh, topics. I wanted to talk to you a little bit more about what kind of games you like to play and if there's any difference between the games that you like to play and the games that you like to make. Um, yeah. Yeah, okay. That's... I, th I, I think that that question might give us a good like context for a bunch more of the uh, other questions related to your work that we're going to talk about in a bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think definitely the, the thing that's, that's like the biggest difference between what I make and, and what I like to play is uh, I'm actually a really big fan of not necessarily gritty or combat heavy, but very like detailed, crunchy, long form campaign systems. So, you know, something like D&D, &D, but not necessarily... And I don't see a lot of those in this design space simply because we're, I think, because we're making things so fast, but they're definitely, they're, they're coming around. And as I said before, I have sort of my own ideas about how I'd run that. Um, but there's still, I feel like there's still uh, that gap that, that we're trying to fill that, you know, in order to have a uh, thriving indie game scene, we sort of have to be able to scratch everyone's itch. Yeah, no, I definitely feel that. I know that, um, I mean, yeah, those kinds of games are also, interestingly, like, those games are, take as 
almost as long to make as the sessions, um, like the length of those campaigns, right? Like yeah, I've been working definitely. on, I've been working on my um, adventure-ish um, mecha game for like a year now. At that's, least. Yeah. <laughs> that's easy to imagine, for sure. Uh, and I wrote a game in like a... I wrote half, the majority of a game in half a day last week because I had writer's block and couldn't work on the project <laughs> that I wanted to work on. And that's I'm like, how micro games can be. Like, damn it. got to pull something out of the pile of game ideas and see if I can work on that. No, but like to that end, um, specifically with those kind of like the lore heavy, the crunchy um, long-term campaign games, one that I'm actually really excited to see uh, finish up and and come out is uh, Swordsfall. I think that really would, that would kick me in the butt to go and play another campaign style game. Yeah, Swordsfall is a pretty like amazing game. (laughs) Yeah, it's, I think that's going to be really exciting for how it shakes up the design scene as well. It's interesting. I really enjoy reading about, um, I really enjoy absorbing lore from games. And then it turns out that I don't super love playing, uh, lore <laughs> games. Um, <laughs> normally because they have a, often end up having a specific focus that I'm not keen for. That's understandable. Yeah. Um, but still enjoy learning about the lore. Um, like I love all the non-horror elements of Eclipse Phase. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to play <laughs> super spies fighting alien robots. I want to play a fucking farmer on Mars who's trying to like pay the bills. I want to play a fucking dude who runs a fruit co-op on Titan. I don't care about being a fucking existential threat to humanity as a side job. That sounds like a great game, actually. Well, Just play a farmer. It's awesome. S- stay tuned <laughs> for my <laughs> game about living in a small town on Mars. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, and so, yeah, a lot of the games that you've made are these smaller games, but you, you're really keen to play these longer form games, is what you're saying. Pretty much. And then I think on the other end of that, like the, um, a lot of the size of, I know this is true for me and it's probably true for a lot of other people, a lot of the size of our projects and the amount of work we can put into it really is limited by, you know, external factors of, of just the world we live in and existing in capitalism and, you know, various disabilities and marginalizations. And that's sort of where a lot of us are coming from with the way we do things. Yeah, indeed. I know that for, for me, I have to create the art that I make because uh, I can't not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, I can't it's work. I can't work any other traditional jobs. My disabilities get in the way of that. They make it impossible. Uh, I have I go, a lot of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no. Indeed. Uh, you're the subject of the interview, not me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was just, I was agreeing to, uh, you know, having a, having a lot of disabilities that make day jobs very difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. And so for a lot of us, this sort of arts community stuff is so important. Um, oh, yeah, actually, mildly related to that point. How often, how a lot of us in the RPG space end up being very connected to digital communities. How connected are you to your local arts community i would say that i'm i'm barely i know a handful of people in seattle it's it's kind of a lonely place to live um people don't 
don't get together uh, in, in public places or, or in social groups as much as I've, has been my experience in other places. Um, I feel I've like just, you go. Sorry. No, no. Uh, I've just recently um, met a couple of the people who, who also work in games who live around here, and I've been here for almost five years. Yeah, Seattle is pretty dense with RPG-related um, people. Um, it's just finding the right ones to network with us. Well, to connect with rather than network with, connect with. Um, uh, I, the thing that you were talking before about like people not really meeting up, I really uh, connect with that. Like I identify with that sentiment because it very much feels like in, at the very least in American and Australian um, uh, society, it feels like community is often used as a word that just means the place you live. And so it's actually not community. It's lo- locality um, right. because you're not actually connected. Like, I've only recently started to feel community in relation to where I live. And that is by finding these other arts communities and things, other arts groups to connect with. Um, So I think it's great that you're meeting other (laughs) artists in your area. Finally. Yeah. At least there's a couple. (laughs) Yeah, indeed. Sure. Um, I guess I want to talk about now um, because we've talked a little bit about your uh, your the kind of games you like to make and things. I now would really love to n- talk about the fact that a lot of your work seems to involve or reference ritual and magic. And I wanted to ask you why you connect with those themes. Uh, I think that that's really just been a lifelong thing. I can't remember a time when I haven't been fascinated by some degree of you know folklore, witchcraft, magic divination all that and uh just kind of seriously pursued it from a particularly young age and i realized uh quite early on in getting into games that it had a natural place there and especially with things like i saw the parallel between um, what became important to me uh at first uh is the absolute similarity between safety tools in role-playing uh safety tools in things like kink scenes and safety in ritual how they're essentially all the same techniques. So borrowing across those disciplines is is something that I've tried to uh, figure out how to do better and better every time. Yeah, I've really been enjoying the rise of safety tools, and I think that uh, in gaming space, and I think that that really helps us. I mean, for one, it helps us create more enjoyable experiences at the table, but two, it also lets us explore more complicated themes in a way that isn't so destructive. Yeah, for sure. I've, I've definitely focused uh, a couple of the things that, uh, including something that I made with, uh, with somebody else um, about just trying to access the stuff that is actually too damaging to, uh, to process in a, in a head on sort of way and, and abstract it through a, um, a game structure. In, in order to you know find a way to deal with it and that's like that's dangerous that's a dangerous thing to do and it has to be handled with caution yeah no definitely agree i have done a similar project in that space but is a lot more raw and is intentionally so um uh cool i guess 
I wanted to talk about, I guess from there, um, is talk a little bit more about the work that you have on your, on your, uh, itch store because as well as having these games that focus on on ritual well i say games as well as having projects <laughs> that focus on ritual and magic you also have a lot of projects that are are tools or resources at least that's what i saw from looking at your itch page um and i guess i feel like those might overlap with your projects that are also rituals and things so i wanted to talk about like um how how you sort of came to the, why you chose to put those on your rich store and why you chose to make those tools and resources. That's interesting. Okay. Um, Well, first part of that is uh, sometimes I just wake up way too early in the morning and I need to write a random table and then I write a random table and then I put it up and then I go back to bed. That's, that's the short answer of that. Um, uh, the other one is one of the things that I made here that that um, it's called Detritus is a it's essentially a, a character creation game in which a ritual to clean your room is embedded. I remember seeing that and really loving it as a concept. I haven't <laughs> checked it out yet, but I really should at some point. There are community copies. You can just go snag one. <laughs> yeah, and so that's about that's about like physically like cleaning up your room hello yes ah are we still there yes we are okay sorry (laughs) was there a weird spike there yeah uh i just was gonna say i um one second i just forgot all of the words in the english language (laughs) um (laughs) (laughs) um 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 while I'm floundering, let's look up the timestamp for this. Um, so that has a ritual to physically clean up your room in it, or is it more of a spiritual cleaning? No, it, it, that is uh, the mechanic that is driving the character creation process, is right. that you have to clean a, a very messy room, pick up certain kinds of objects, and reference them against the list, and then that answers questions about the character you're making. Right, right, right. That's cool. Um, yeah, I, uh, I like. I've always liked that kind of gamification of things. Um, it's never been super helpful for me, but like, I, I really find it interesting. Like the, you know, those apps that make a game of exercising and like, oh, you got to do these exercises to get like levels or whatever, or the games that take your chore list and turn them into quests and stuff like that. Uh, I think that it is cool that you sort of found a way to make that a character building exercise um, and not an app. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know how to code an app. Otherwise I probably would have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Take photos of the objects as you pick <laughs> them up and it like tells you what they are. God, that'd be actually a fuckload more work than it sounds like because oh, yeah. object recognition is really hard. <laughs> cool idea though. Um, yeah, cool. So where do you begin on your projects and how do you curate what you work on? We talked a little bit about this um, previously with um, when we were talking about the fact that you've put out so much work. How do you decide what project gets your attention now and what project gets your attention later and how do you decide what projects are actually perhaps not things that you can make 
That's that last one is pretty important. I, I think, um, well, the, the first thing that happens is anytime I have an idea, I now know that it just needs to go in a Google Doc, even if it's shit and I don't like it. I just need to need to put the idea down. So I have all of these floating Google Docs. And then, you know, anytime I have a, a thought about one of them, it goes into the, into the Google Doc. And then sometimes some of those actually turn into finished projects. Uh, I definitely have a lot of stuff that I wrote down a while ago that I now no longer feel like I'm the person to make. And it's, you know, the future will see what I do with those. But that's, that's important to recognize, I think, like really important to recognize, especially if you're, if you're a person who is marginalized in some ways, but not in others to like, first of all, like don't take somebody else's story and try to run with it, first of all. Um, and that's, those are definitely the kind of projects or ideas that go in the uh, trash bin immediately. Yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> I, I don't know if that made any sense. It's just no, like, no, no. It definitely made sense. There's all these, there's all these tropes and fantasy and things. I guess I can elaborate on this a little bit more. Like there's a lot of, a lot of tropes and a lot of conventions in fantasy and in gaming that don't get examined a whole lot. And, a lot of times the first thought will be, oh, that's cool and sounds cool and I would like it to exist and there needs to be a step of, but am I the person to do it? Yeah, no, I've definitely had that um, where I wanted to write an expansion for a game where you were people on this floating island and I was like, how do I, like a mechanical island that can like choose its course? And I was like, oh, how do I make this like, what kind of themes would this explore? Because I definitely want it to be like a gen, like an actual island on water, and I want it to be futuristic and sci-fi. It's like, oh, this is going to become an allegory for refugees, and as a white Australian, I shouldn't be writing that because that's uh, not my story to tell as someone that has never been a refugee. Yep. Yep, it's not always obvious too. It's like sometimes it sometimes it's it's in there sneaky, and it'll take a couple extra passes. And I, I think people need to become a little bit more comfortable with doing that sort of inquiry on their own ideas. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, yeah, um, what can would you be able to give us an example of like a project that you've um, gotten really into making, and then be like, oh wait, hang on, I got to step back from this. Yeah, yeah, it was actually something very similar to what you're talking about, where it's like, oh, I wanted to have a, like an explicitly, what's what's the least European-looking fantasy setting I can come up with? Oh, crap, well, this just looks like I ripped off somebody's actual culture in the trash can. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, for sure. I, I, yeah, I, I totally admit to having done that, because, well, for one, I didn't print it. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I get that. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking of like all of those times where someone's been like, oh, why don't we see blank culture in fantasy more? It's like, I don't know, maybe because those people haven't been given the opportunities to make games. Like, there you go. I, I know that for myself, I've recently had this desire, but I don't know how to go about it. And that is to find out if there are indigenous Australians making RPGs and like it and how, what those look like, but I don't have access <laughs> to a means of finding that out. Cause I would, I'd re- like as a person that does a lot of work trying to show Australian designers and things to the rest of the world. I really would love to be able 
to uplift Indigenous Australian voices. Um, uh, but it's just not, yeah, I don't have, I'm not an Indigenous person. I don't have much of a connection with Indigenous culture. So there's not really a means for me to uh, do that. And it's kind of also not like not my place to do that. I just would really love to see that sort of stuff. Well, I mean, if we if we do uh, ever find people who are doing that, um, that's the, the the answer to that is definitely uh, give them money. Yeah, indeed, indeed, <laughs> no, totally, give them money. Um, yeah, I just was. Yeah, I think what I I thought about that the other day because there was a bunch of people talk, like talking about um, indigenous uh, um, North Americans. I think is probably going to be the best term. Yeah, uh, in, uh, f- and the games that they're making. Um, and how, yeah, and like the, and there was a nice list and I was like, damn, I wish there was a list of Indigenous Australian game designers that I could check out. Um, there are a couple of Indigenous game designers that I know of, but they're working in uh, video games and I'm like, video games are cool. It's not my area. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, uh, I think that's, to, to answer the original question, that's the, that's the most important point I want to make is like, don't be the person who tells somebody else's story. Pay somebody to tell oh, yeah, their indeed, own story. That's what I want people when to I hear. Say, when I say like, ex- I, I mean like giving them an opportunity to like interviewing them and things like that is what right I Right on. Yeah. I'm not going to be like, oh yeah, fucking look at this person <laughs> I discovered. That's not what I'm trying to do. <laughs> no, I want to yeah, play their games. <laughs> I want yeah, to play their yeah, games definitely. and I want to interview them, but yeah. Um, cool. I guess my next question is probably um, what what games are you working on at the moment and what kind of projects are you currently working on? And, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, and um, yeah, we might talk a little bit about your process. Well, uh, definitely in, uh, you caught me at a slump for sure. I'm, I'm definitely dealing with some real life things and haven't been producing as much or working as much on, on longer term projects as I'd like to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have one thing I've been working on that I'd like to, to bring to fruition sometime in the first half of next year, which is a uh, hack of Stars Without Number that is themed for urban witchcraft. That's a fucking wild like, why did you choose stars without number? I love that system a lot. Okay. <laughs> All right. It's, it's, it's a substantial, I would say it's more inspired by than a hack by the time it's finished. But uh, Look, that's fair. Yeah. I was just about to ask, like, if it's stars without number, what are the three classes you've got then? Oh, <laughs> you'll see. <laughs> oh, man. I'm so excited. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've just uh, definitely chopped it up and it's uh, it's warrior witch, life. tech witch, and <laughs> other <laughs> close. <laughs> yeah, so that's something I'm warrior I'm witch, tech witch, and wizard witch. I you know there there are there are things. <laughs> oh wow, that's that's cool. Um, so yeah, wow. Oh oh, I mean, this might be a good question. How do you? I, I, I tend to approach a lot of game design stuff from like an arts perspective, um, which is weird because don't have formal training. Um, but how do you know when a project is done? Not finished, but has to be done. 
Uh, usually jam deadlines. Normally jam deadlines. <laughs> I guess that's useful for people that like will just keep working on something. Yeah, yeah, it's that. Yeah. Uh, also, it's a lot of, with a lot of those things when it's like an, an idea just grabs hold of me and I have to do something with it. Mm-hmm. If I don't just push it all through in one like go, it's never going to happen. Yeah, no, for sure. What game jams um, grab you? I know that for myself, the I really like thematic game jams. Like, this is a game jam where we're just writing about wizards. This is a game jam where we're writing about emotional mecha. This is... This game jam, everyone has to write stories about being a seal. Like, that's what we're doing. <laughs> I don't really, for me, I'm not really grabbed by mechanics game jams. Like, oh, we're all going to write pa- Powered by the Apocalypse games. I'm like, well, yeah, I, I mean, anyone could write a fucking Powered by the Apocalypse <laughs> game. Like, you're just giving me a list of mechanics. Like, oh, we're all going to write games that use D10s. Or we're all going to write games that use cards. Like, yes, those are interesting limitations, but I don't make games about mechanics i make games about stories and genres like my games i yeah i don't make a game to explore a mechanic i make a game to explore a type of narrative so for you what game jams capture you definitely it's uh uh, it's it's good that we have you know that wide variety of like there's stuff for for someone who's very hard into needing the narrative prompt and there's stuff for people who are just want to say hey let me make this type of game and Mm-hmm. I actually, uh, I really enjoyed the uh, Tunnel Goons Jam recently. That was, I, I was pretty happy with my work that came out of that. And that was essentially like a, a very, um, like a, a pretty stripped down, like um, simplified system that can be reskinned in infinite number of ways. And people did some really cool stuff with it. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I saw that jam, that jam. So what is that in a bit more detail, if you don't mind? Uh, it was a hack of the game Tunnel Goons, or rather a jam where everyone hacks the game Tunnel Goons, um, sort of an uh, OSR light. Um, and there were, I think, 60-something entries, and all of them just had a different uh, like narrative spin on the same set of mechanics with some you know minor changes here and there for everyone's. Yeah, yeah. so it was, really uh, for the most part, about like riding more, riding a different like skin, which is kind of cool. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, and so those that those are the kinds of things that uh, attract you, or are you just sort of attracted to all game jams? I'm kind of addicted to game jams. It's a bit of a problem. It's yeah. it's become unhealthy. <laughs> yeah, I know that a lot of people are having trouble, like fight, being like, oh, "How do I not do a game jam?" I'm like, "You write down the idea that you have, and then you choose not to work on it." <laughs> like you write down the cool idea you had from the game jam and then you don't work on it. You set it aside and you work on something else. You work on the one from the game jam that was last month that you didn't do because you used this process. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, you know. <laughs> Look, it's harder for other people than it is for me. I am lazy by nature. Um, Cool. Well, it has been a pleasure uh, talking to you, and I really enjoyed getting to know you a bit better. I hope that you enjoyed uh, being on the show. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Um, If people want to find out more about your work, where can they do that? Um, I'm at Blakestone slash Fenced Forest on Itch and at Fenced Forest on Twitter. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Um, 
and they can check out all of your awesome projects over there on it. You've got so much to look at. Like, I'm so amazed that you brought all of that out in six months. It's so much, so many projects. Like, I'm just genuinely impressed by the amount of um, energy uh, you have. Well, thank you. I don't sleep, so... <laughs> Um, fantastic. Uh, and if you want to listen to more interviews like this, uh, we have an entire interview series. Uh, you can tick on the interview tag or the interview category on, um, the website. Um, and, uh, yeah, you can also support us on Patreon or by clicking on the store tab and buying some of our projects, uh, which... Uh, there will be a new one of next month. We have a new game coming out next month. That's a print and play board game uh, about poetry and exploring houses. Uh, so stay tuned for that, which is called going to be called archetype uh, spelt like architecture. Um, yeah. Um, it has Yet again, I reiterate, it has been a pleasure talking to you, Blake. I can't wait to see uh, more of your Game Jam work and more of your uh, other work as well. And I can't wait for your Stars Without Number hack. Uh, I can't wait to interview you about it. <laughs> um, but uh, for now, uh, farewell from the past. I'm Ray.